Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Ah, yes, he is. And he'd love to hear from you right now at 866-391-1020. But if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020, you're going to win a gift certificate to Sorgles. Doug, it may be snowing, but it's still time to plant, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the first uh, subject, Rob. Thanks for setting me up. As usual, uh, don't worry about uh, what's going on out there right now with that cold weather and then, you know, 18 degrees coming. We've talked about this before. Uh, this is spring, and with your daffodils and other spring bulbs, just let them be. They'll be fine. Anything leafing out, it'll it'll be okay. They're just going to do their thing. That's just what happens this time of the year. They've been through it uh, for hundreds of years. And everything will be okay. You know, in the case of daffodils, every once in a while, you'll get some bud blast on some later varieties. And in that case, you've got to wait another year for the blooms. But it doesn't always work out that way. So don't sweat it. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we try and plant early, mid, and late season daffodils. And all through the garden, um, mix things up a little bit. Because certainly early in the season here, when we get really cold, uh we, we've got to uh, watch things, you know. But, yeah, I'm doing lots of planting, more, more inside than outside. So real quick, today's guest uh, at 7.15 is going to be my friend Kelly Norris. He's actually coming to Pittsburgh and speaking on April 21st and April 22nd at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden, talking about something called New Naturalism. That's his uh, latest book. Uh, I love this uh guy's garden writing and he is a great garden speaker we'll learn all about what he's going to talk about when he comes here but i've got a bunch of free weird tomato seeds in one of the doug's free seed shacks it's at han nursery in ross but they are closed today they will open back up on monday uh all a a a seed shack is is an old newspaper box the kind you'd throw a quarter in back in the day and it's filled up with seeds to find the tomatoes though You'll have to find the super secret compartment, and it is labeled super secret compartment, so it's not too hard to find. Just some of the tomato seeds that I have in there are chocolate cherry, yellow grape tiger stripe, mushroom basket, and then one I've given away, I think it was last year or the year before, called Clint Eastwood Rowdy Red Tomato. Uh, named for <laughs> for the actor, uh, kind of a funny story. He was the mayor of Carmel, and a friend of mine that runs a tomato company called Tomato Fest. Uh, Clint helped him with with that festival, and so he named a tomato after him. 
So you can just go to Han Nursery starting tomorrow. They're closed today. You can trade some seeds if you want. You can leave some, or you can just grab what you want. But don't be a cheapskate when you go. Buy some other seeds or pansies. Han's doing me a favor by letting me put that seed shack there. And, again, they open up uh, on Monday. And it's just it's filled with all sorts of other seeds, too, just stuff to play with, stuff to grow. Uh, we should be starting our tomatoes and our peppers right now indoors. If you can't do it indoors, you know, we talked about this probably about a month ago. You can just set up uh, milk jugs and kind of cut them in a way where they open up and uh, fill them up with with uh, some good seed starting mix, drill some holes in the bottom, throw tomato seeds in there, have them outside, yeah, even at 18 degrees, and they will sprout when they're ready if you don't want to set up a whole system with lights and that sort of thing. Um, I'm also continuing my free virtual 10-week organic gardening classes every Thursday at 5 o'clock. Uh, we started taking you through starting seeds all the way through planting your tender crops. We'll do that last class in May, and it's courtesy of Farm to Table of Western Pennsylvania. And very happy to be working with them. They are um, trying to get local produce into people's hands. Uh, as I said, you can access the class from your computer. It's absolutely free every Thursday at 5 o'clock, or you can watch them about a week later. They we, they record them and have them posted and we're having a lot of fun. Got lots and lots of people there from all over the country uh, talking about gardening. This week, I'm going to do a little uh, presentation on growing something different. You know how much <laughs> I love growing something different just by looking at that list of tomatoes that I have over there at Han Nursery. And so, all the details to register are at dougoster.com. And as I said, it's absolutely free. On March, or I'm sorry, April 10th. Put it on your calendar. Two weeks from today, I'm back at the Butler Home Show, 2 p.m. at the Family Sports Center on Route 68. I love uh, when I do the Butler Home Show. It's been a couple years now. We're back. I'll be talking gardening, and I'll have a special surprise for everyone. Uh, when I did that show in the South Hills, I gave away seeds for something called sweet peas, which are uh, something very unusual for us to grow in our climate. We had a lot of... A lot of fun there talking. So that is two weeks from today. I'll talk about it next week and probably the week after. Butler County Home Show. Uh, I'd love to see you there. Uh, that's usually a great crowd there. And later on today, Mrs. Know-It-All, this is going to be fun. She's going to talk about getting that garden ready for, ready for a wedding. I don't know if you could have <laughs> much more pressure than having a wedding through your garden. I've talked to a few people that are planning now for even a fall wedding where they're thinking, um, could I could I plant dahlias now? Not now, but in May. Could I plant dahlias in May and have those flowers ready for, for a wedding? Um, you know, growing anything for a wedding. I'll be interested to see what she has to say. And uh, as I talked earlier, this is the time to get your seeds going for tomatoes and peppers. Uh, all sorts of other things too, you know. Even outdoors, I, you know, even though it's this cold, I've got some more pea seeds soaking in here to to get out in the garden. We've got, you know, in a couple days, be 40s, and then all the way up to 70. You know, that's that's spring for us, and we can get in there. Uh, as a broken record, when you dig that soil, when you turn it over, be sure that. Uh, it does not stick to the shovel, that it's not too wet. That's the worst thing you can do. 
and you know, if you listen to the show, I, I probably say that every week uh, this time of the year is just to be sure that the soil is ready. And if it's not, just go down to the nursery, get a bag of nice compost for five or six dollars, maybe a little bit more for the fancy stuff, and just throw it on top. And now you can plant directly in that. Uh, you know, I, I just wrote a story about uh, my love of pansies and how they love cool weather, and all I'm doing with those pansies is filling up containers, and yes, they're outside. Even though we got 18 degrees coming, pansies can take it. They love cold weather. Uh, they're beautiful. I'll fill up those containers now. They'll go all the way until July 4th, and it just gets too hot for them. I could probably keep them going, but uh, I, you know, four months of, of beautiful color is enough for me than, uh, you know, the Annuals go on sale for half price on July 4th, and I'll start filling those up. Uh, get frost again in October, September. I'll put pansies back in those containers. But right now, with the weather that's coming up here next couple of days, uh, you know, if you do go to Honda, pick up some of those seeds, get a flat of pansies. It's just instant color, and putting them in containers close to the house gives them a little bit of protection. And it, we need the color. We just, after winter, we just need that beautiful, beautiful, happy face of of a pansy. And that's what pansies are. They're just a super happy face, tough as nails, uh, actually edible too. Uh, I like to mix them with uh, things like lettuce and arugula and that sort of thing. These are all the cool weather crops that that, that are going in now. Uh, that just love cool cool weather and and don't wait. You know, when when in two days when things warm up, you, there's a great opportunity to do some planting to to get these things like peas and beets and Swiss chard and arugula and lettuce and uh, all sorts of different greens. Have some fun. Go to the nursery. Look at the look at the seed rack and just pick something out of there, like a, a, a leafy green that you've never heard of before, and give it a shot. Throw it in, and you'd be surprised that you might fall in love with something like a mustard green that has some spice, arugula that has a little bit of peppery flavor. Maybe there's one called uh, corn salad that I just love. It's, it's, it's out in the garden right now without any protection. So think about that. Get get out to your nurseries and uh, take a visit to, to Han Nursery starting tomorrow. Get some free seeds. All right, Rob, you ready for a break? And then we'll talk to our guest, Kelly Norris. Yes, we'll do that. So stay with us. DougOster.com, the organic gardener. Rob Pratt Sunday continues in minutes on KDKA. Doug's special guest standing by, so let's get right to it. Doug. Oh, so happy to welcome Kelly Norris, a great horticulturist and author of New Naturalism. He's coming to town, and you should go see him. He's going to be at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden April 21st and 22nd. On the 21st, he's speaking, designing, and planting a resilient, ecologically vibrant home garden. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for getting up so early and talking to us today. Doug, thanks so much for having me. It's always great to call in. We talked a little bit uh, earlier in the year about your book, New Naturalism. It is an amazing piece of work. Tell me a little bit about, about coming up with this concept of new naturalism. Where does it come? Where does it come from? What's the genesis of it? Well, I think new naturalism is really a synthesis of the spirit and conversations about gardening that we're having today, Uh, uh, maybe a a reconsidered role of where gardens fit in and the greater scheme of the environment and how we make them and why we're making gardens. And so, you know, the the book is a, a summation of 
the intersection between gardening and, and ecology and environmentalism and how we can, you know, bring some of those practices to bear at home. Tell me a little bit about when, when you do speak about this, because this is uh, quite a presentation, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's Thursday, April 21st at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden. Tell me a little bit about what I'm going to learn there. Well, the presentation is, you know, is kind of the Reader's Digest version of the book. It's a bit of a, of a crash course. I think it's going to be a, a lovely morning with some tours and maybe a little lunch, and then we'll have a chance to, you know, really dive into some of the, uh, the strategies and techniques and concepts behind new naturalism. And what I'm really, you know, what I, what I find is when I talk about these things that are in the book, you know, gardeners are observant people, right? I mean, we're out there on our hands and knees bleeding and sweating and, you know, crying sometimes about what we're doing. And, you know, we see things and we observe things. And I, I think what happens in this, when I start talking about gardening and plants from just a little different angle and a little different lens, some of these new ways of thinking start to click with people because they, they match up with uh, things we've observed when we're working in the garden. Give me a little history. Tell me about how gardening became your entire life. Not entire life, but, geez, you are renowned as an expert in many, many, many facets of gardening. Uh, tell me how you fell in love with gardening. Well, I've been gardening since I was a kid. I, I, I guess I can blame my maternal grandmother for uh uh, her her stewardship uh, in the garden when I was a little kid, but uh, uh, I have always been fascinated with plants, sort of universally. But I suppose in in places both like the garden and in the wild. And I guess it was at a point in college uh, when I was studying horticulture at Iowa State University that I I, I came to realize that. Uh, there really weren't two conditions in which plants grew. There really wasn't that much of a difference or didn't have to be that much of a difference between plants in the wild and plants in the garden as we knew it. And so my, my life since then has been this kind of exploration of plants and their many facets and the way in, in which plants grow and how they respond to the environment. So I, I, I uh, you know, I, I'm obsessed. I, I'm, I'm a, you know, full-time plant geek. <laughs> <laughs> You need a T-shirt that says that, full-time plant geek. Uh, tell me, was there an epiphany for new naturalism, or was this just something that has slowly uh, kind of crept into the, the style of gardening that you want to present people? Okay, we're going to have to call Kelly back. We, we lost Kelly, so if you can, give him a call back, Antonio. He just dropped off the line. Doug, these are the kind of guests that you learn from, though, right? Definitely. You know, this is a different style of gardening. This is using some of some wild techniques, uh, things that we see out there. Uh, like, like Kelly said, uh, things that are he's certainly adding cultivated varieties, but also uh, things that he's seen grow out in, in the garden. If you look, if you search that new naturalism uh, that, that he's doing and take a look through uh, some of the pictures in that book. It's interesting stuff. And again, he'll be at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden Thursday, April 21st, but also the 22nd, we're doing an event. And guess who's moderating the panel, Rob? It's yours truly. That should be interesting. It'll be like, what's wrong with this picture? Doug Oster is, is <laughs> moderate, moderating the panel. Uh, we're going to talk at uh, on Earth Day, a panel discussion about plant conservation, sustainability, and resilience. All the information for uh, 
Kelly Norris's appearances at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden are at DougOster.com. You can there's a button right there where you can click and uh, register right away, and he's someone that you should see. Kelly, I don't uh, know who's more excited, you or Doug, huh? <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad to be back on here. I we lost the call there, the wonders of technology. But look, I'm 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 terribly excited about this whole thing. When they asked me about doing this, they said want to do a panel session, and I. I uh, I always love a good Q and A, so I'm looking forward to what maybe curveballs Doug's going to throw at me up there. Well, oh, Kelly, that's what I was going to say. You know, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun standing up there with you on the panel. I'm <laughs> definitely throwing a curve, a sinker, slider. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, so, so one of the questions was when you started to think about uh, presenting new naturalism and and what it is. Was there was there an, an epiphany, or is this kind of a, a slow uh, uh, evolution, and and as to how you thinking about gardening? I suppose it's a slow evolution. I, I don't know that anything, in some ways, moves terribly fast in the garden when you really think about it. I mean, gardening teaches us to be extraordinarily patient, uh, both with. Uh, so I, I, well, I should say, I guess you know, teaches us to be extraordinarily patient. And at that, we're always students, and so. Uh, you know, gardeners, as I said a minute ago, are curious people, and I, at least I am. And I, and I find myself, uh, you know, I, I've always, like I said, been a student of plants in, in, in both conditions, in wild places and in gardens. And, and this idea of thinking about how our gardens could have not just a wilder spirit or not just a wilder aesthetic, but could actually, you know, borrow some cues from the way in which plants grow in the wild and how that can come to relate to the way we garden as a result um, is certainly a slow boil, I think. And I, I hope it, I hope the heat keeps turning up because I think there's a lot more to discover. With about a minute left, I'm putting you on the spot. Give me a couple plants that aren't used as much as they should be in the landscape that hold a special place in your heart. Oh, gosh, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a long list. I mean, I spend my, my life reveling in in plants, I will say maybe not one that is uh, as entirely relevant in your part of the world, but right now in our in our sand garden out here in the back, we we sort of uh, honored our glacial history here last year and, and imported and sort of built a, a ridge in the back here, and so we've got pask flowers, Pulsatia patens, and uh, is one of the you know the prairie crocus, uh, one of the first uh, flowers of the year here natively uh, is is out there uh, flowering, and so it's also this time of the year that I'm wanting to. You know, go out into the woods, a plant that you could find, certainly, I suspect, in western Pennsylvania this time of year, too, is, you know, hepaticas, which, you know, I just, I love the, that little sort of glimmer of blue from the forest understory in the in the spring. And, uh, and I'm always thinking about trees, too, because, you know, the world we live in is increasingly hard and urban and concrete, and so we have to think about trees that can, you know, do good work for us, uh, in all the many ways we ask trees to do in cities. And so I, I think a lot about misses or black gums these days as being, uh, you know, urban trees that uh, we, we maybe need to be paying more attention to for both fall color and, and just their tolerances, too. Well, great stuff, Kelly. You can see him at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden Thursday, April 21st and 22nd. All the details are at DougOster.com. All right, if you're the uh, 10th caller at 412-922-1020, you want a $25 gift certificate? to Janoski's in Clinton. And by the way, if you are wondering whether or not you can plant it now because of the snow, 
whatever that may be, call us. It's time to play Stump the Gardener. All right, 866-391-1020. You can get a question into Doug, 866-391-1020. All right, let's talk planting for pollinators, Doug. Well, that's a big thing nowadays, and it should be. It's uh, uh, a great thing to do, trying to help out pollinators. When we help out the pollinators, they help us. And so hopefully you are getting out there, getting your seeds, uh, you know, getting things planted indoors, getting things planted, like I said, outdoors in, in that uh, any kind of clamshell container. Uh, that's an easy way to do it. Uh, you, you know, if if you're not into the just having a couple LED lights inside, uh, you can start things. It's going to be, you know, they're going to be a little later, but you're just emulating nature by uh, taking something, you know, a clamshell or cu- cutting open a, a gallon jug and filling it up with that planting mix with some holes in the bottom and sprinkling some seeds in there. But when you're thinking pollinators, you just, you know, n- number one plant for me, of course, is is the one I talk about all the time called Mexican sunflower. And so that's Tithonia. Uh, Mexican Sunflower Torch is a 1951 All-America selection. Uh, All-America selection means that uh, they sent the seeds out all around the country. People trialed it and grew it and loved it and said, hey, this is a great one, and it is a great one. But there's all sorts of different plants that you can grow in the garden, and and I'm always telling people, Get flowers into your garden, into your vegetable garden, and w- whether it's uh, Mexican sunflower or sunflowers, or zinnias, uh, borage, uh, lots of little herbs like fennel and dill, oregano, the the diversity that you can put into that garden is going to help you garden. And and I guess I guess the greatest example is uh, when I was at the Home and Garden Show at the Convention Center. Lots of questions about Zucchini, you know, not not putting zucchini on, and that's because of a lack of pollinators. And so, by bringing in pollinators, they're going to visit those flowers, but they're also going to visit the flowers of your zucchini and cucumbers and such like that. In my vegetable garden, I often say this: I've got uh, t- two beehives, uh, you know, uh, for honeybees, and that's made a big difference for sure. Uh, in in the type of pollination that's, that's happening, you know, that you, you're going to have tons of cucumbers, tons of zucchinis, pumpkins, whatever it might be, and so mixing things up, growing lots of, lots of stuff out there, uh, you know, get your seeds in order. Uh, that's something I haven't haven't really done. You know, I, I do have them uh, put in bags where it's like when you sow them, early inside, early outside, late outside. You know, like a Early inside would be right now tomatoes, peppers, uh, lettuce, all sorts of uh, things will be getting going right now. And then we wait for outside for things like, you know, beans or certainly zinnias. And if you're going to do zinnias for those uh, pollinators, uh, they're best direct sowed. And so we're not direct sowing those until well in, into April. Uh, they just do better that way. You know, you'll see them in flats, but they get powdery mildew. And I just, I like to direct sow them. And, there, there's nothing like a, a, a row of really beautiful zinnias in, in the summer garden. And so think about what you can put in that garden that is going to help you garden, going to help those pollinators. And, of course, you know, when we talked with Kelly about new naturalism, one of the things people are doing is they're leaving, like, corners of their gardens just kind of wild uh, for those pollinators. Uh, the one thing I'm hoping to see this year... <laughs> 
I've not seen a praying mantis in my garden in I don't know how many years, and I keep getting people send me pictures all the time of these praying mantises. When I was a kid, boy, we saw praying mantises all the time, and that's not a pollinator. That's not <laughs> just like seeing them, uh, like seeing them in the garden. And so leaving these little corners wild is a good thing for pollinators. Of course, having some water somewhere in the garden, too, is is, is great for pollinators. You know, um, butterflies in particular are like kind of like a muddy little sponge, that sort of thing. All sorts of things you can do for the pollinators to help them out. All right, Any callers about... yet, Rob? No, not yet, but we'd love to hear from you folks. What are you wondering if you can plant or not, even with the snow flying? 866-391-1020. We have our lines available. What about the fabric of our gardens and also Davy Tree Work and Davy Socken Trees back with us next Sunday in this time slot? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I had the team from Davy come to the house, and I'm so glad I did because, um, you know, I've been having the same same team for the guy was telling me he's probably been here longer than 10 years coming, uh, first starting out as, as climbing. Now he's the foreman of the crew. And he actually found a big oak tree that has some kind of airborne canker in it that is spreading spreading that canker to other trees and saw that it was, you know, the tree is declining and has to come out, and it's right over the garage. So I, I can't tell you uh, how important it is to have at least once a year have a certified arborist, and you know, Davy's a sponsor of the show. I've been using Davy way before I was ever hooked up with them on the show. Uh, I actually, where I lived before, was uh, right next to their corporate offices, the next city over, and so we all use Davy. That's just how we did it, and that's how I've always done it. But whenever you have anyone looking at your trees, it has to be a certified arborist, not just some guy in a pickup truck. It has to be an expert. That's important, and so he found that tree that's the next thing that tree's got to come out but oh it's so nice to get this work done uh, over my greenhouse there's a maple that started to to you know reach over that and so when we get to may it would it would shade it a bunch of you know again getting to the oaks is really important before uh the uh they leaf out because they, they cannot be cut during active growth because of a, a disease called uh, oak wilt and so all the dead parts of the oaks got uh, got cut. And then uh, one job that I thought I was going to do myself with a buddy, but I kept looking at it, was all, all these little trees, not little, but not huge trees, probably, you know, six, eight inches circumference around the pool. And I was like, well, if I put a rope on this rope, on this, and the guys were here, I'm like, Hey man, can you just uh, cut all those trees around the pool? You know, in like seriously, 45 minutes, it was all clear, and I didn't have to worry about it. And I, I told my wife, I thought uh, one of those trees, if I would have been doing it, would have been crashing down on the pool. So, well, listen, we got lots of calls. Let's begin with Cindy for Doug Oster on KDK. Hi, Cindy. Good morning, and good morning, Doug. Uh, my question is somewhere along the line, I had heard that neem oil is not good for the garden. Now, we put that on in the evening, usually when the bees are not around, but I think I read that you're not supposed to try to get that on flowers at all. So I'm putting that, like, I'm using it on my cucumbers. There might be flowers there. Is there something else, or can I still use that? Well, that's a a loaded question. You know, neem is an organic control for insects uh, it can negatively affect the bees so the way you're using it is the right way to use it uh, but there are some other things that are are 
considered less toxic now. So tell me what you're using the neem for. What is the pest that, that is bothering you the worst? Uh, usually it's the um, cucumbers. It was those um, cucumber beetles. Cucumber beetles and that other, there's another one that has kind of got to it. Um, so anything that's know. chewing, anything that's a chewing insect, um, the, the next step that's, that's less toxic is called uh, spinosad. And the easiest way to find spinosad is in a product called Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew, which you can find anywhere, hardware stores, nurseries, that sort of thing. Uh, again, I'm not saying not to use the neem. Uh, mm -hmm. And I like the idea that you're using it later in the day. You know, any kind of organic control you can use to keep those cucumbers from getting bacterial wilt is, is great. It's just I've switched now. You know, neem was was 10 years ago. Now I've switched to spinosad because, uh, again, a little less toxic and a little less uh, uh, problematic for the bees, okay? All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, you, uh, let's see what we can do real quick. Marie, North Hills. Hi, Marie. You're on KDK. Hi. Good morning. Um, I wanted to see... Um, what type of shrub or other type of plant that will that will hide like uh, an air conditioner? It won't go up against the air conditioner, but something that's fast-growing, thick, heavy, um, and also it would be in the shade half the day. Do you have deer? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so here are the here are the, the species to look at: um, juniper and and cedars. Uh, cedars. Yeah, and, and probably juniper would be the easiest to find, and spruce. You know, spruces, you need to find a small spruce. But those those three, the first thing you got to think of is, is the deer. And so take a look at those three and uh, find which one is the right size to, to uh, cover up that air conditioner for you. Mrs. Know-It-All, coming up in just a couple of moments. It's Rob Pratt Sunday. It's Doug Oster, the organic gardener, KDK. Next week, Davy Tree, Miles Stevens, Curb Appeal, and nothing gives you curb appeal like a wedding in the garden. Doug's got that to talk about with the one and only, right, Doug? That's right. It's time for Mrs. Know-It-All. That's horticulturalist Denise Schreiber. And before we start talking weddings, uh, I had my friend Paul Danick texted me and said uh, Green Mountain Boxwood would be another suggestion to put in front of that air conditioner. And so, Mrs. Know-It-All, getting the garden ready for a wedding, that sounds like a lot of pressure to me. <laughs> it's not. But you don't wait till a week before the wedding to think about it. So, you know, uh, whether you have your lawn treated by somebody else taken care of, or if you do it yourself, it should be fertilized, weeded, and kept to the correct height at least four or five days ahead of time. You fix the depressions to make sure nobody breaks an ankle going down to the, the aisle. You don't want to cry going to the hospital. You want to water it really well about three days ahead of time to make sure it will put up with foot traffic. And you want to make sure, normally I use a mulching mower. This is the time to actually bag it and put it in your compost bin because you want to get all the little grassy bits up. Mm -hmm. Rent a tent. There's the three. If you get married in June, there's the Three Rivers Arts Festival. And we know what happens. It rains. And then, you know, there's easy things. You know, if you don't have a lot of flowers, you know, go buy a couple of flats of the annuals, give you pretty color. If you don't want to put them in the ground, put them in some containers to decorate the area. You know, there. You, if you have a lot of flowers, you can use some for the bridesmaids bouquet. You know, 
all over. You know, people are going to smaller weddings after COVID. It's just it's just easier to manage. Um, put your mulch out a couple of weeks ahead of time. You know, I love the smell of mulch, but a lot of people don't. Right. And then if you're going to have like an archway or if you have a little garden cathedral, which is great to have the ceremony in, you know, you can decorate it yourself. Don't use artificial flowers. I know that sounds easier, but you're having a garden wedding for a reason. It's outdoors. You want fresh flowers. You can get those little flower vials um, in a bunch of places where you can buy them at Amazon and just fill them with water and tuck in the fresh flowers right in there. You know, and in June, you know, there's plenty blooming. So, you can, you know, it doesn't have to be all lilies. I love lilies. Don't get me wrong. But not everybody has lilies. You know, but you can use marigolds. You can use impatience. You can use lavender. You could even use some of the ornamental grasses just to kind of give it that wispy effect. And it's very easy. And it makes for a relaxed event rather than, you know, having people, you know, crowded on a table. You know, you can do all of that yourself. If you have tables and the chairs, you can actually take some tool and wrap it around and tuck some fresh flowers in the back of that just to kind of give it an elegant effect. The one thing I would say, I know it's been trendy. I I myself can't stand it, is using burlap around a lot of things. And outdoors. Say it again. What What is it? Burlap. You know, oh, like burlap. Up. Yeah. People wrap our shrubs up in it. But when you get it outside, it absorbs the humidity from the outdoors, and it just smells musty Ugh. and cold, which is not the effect you want for your wedding. You know, real quick, we got about a minute left. Uh, people are always asking me, they want to grow flowers for the wedding. Uh, you know, I, I had somebody just say they want to put dahlias in in May so they'd be ready for an October wedding. What do you think about that? that that's a good idea. Now, depending on the dahlias you're growing, if you're growing the big parasites or if you're growing the bedding dahlias, I think the bedding dahlias would be easier. The thing is, you're going to have, if you're doing it in October, it depends on when, you may have to protect them from frost. But like zinnias will still be going, uh, you know, marigolds, those sorts of things, lilies. You can still have them, Gerber daisies. You can have all of that. And at that point, actually, your ornamental grasses will have put out their, what we call the awns, the seed heads, and they'll kind of give a soft effect. So you can do that. Just keep in mind that if you're doing it that late, you might want to be able to protect those flowers just in case we have an early frost. Hopefully right, not, great, not after the great winter. Great advice, Mrs. Know-It-All. Appreciate it. Now, as always, I'll be answering questions after the show at DougOster.com if you did not get through. Uh, I also have registration information there for both days that my friend Kelly Norris will be appearing at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden. That's April 21st and 22nd, big Earth Day celebration. Go see him. He's amazing. Uh, You will learn a lot, and you'll learn a, a new way to garden. Also, information there uh, to sign up for all my free 10-week virtual garden classes, which happen every Thursday. So remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.